Father, your word this morning is a mighty word, and I pray that um, our hearts would receive it, and that we would be able to hear you and understand you. I pray that as we encounter this word this morning, that we would be changed. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Happy New Year! Happy New Year! It's good to be back with you in 2020. Um, all right, I have a question for the children. My question is, what was the best present you got for Christmas this year? Is anyone brave enough to tell me what your best <laughs> present was? Dante? A virtual reality. A virtual reality headset? Awesome. That sounds great. Uh, I say, a bike? What about you, Joshua? Another bike. Another bike. <laughs> well, you both got a bike. That's perfect. What about you, Rome? A something stuffed animal? Creeple. A creeple stuffed animal. Okay, creeper. Great. I don't know that, but that's great. Theo. What did you get? A dinosaur dig. Do you have to excavate them yourself? That sounds wonderful. What about you, Jermaine? A laptop? Wow! Great present. What about you, Ethan? Ori, a game. Wonderful. Nice. Well, there's still four. Okay. Is that James? Yeah. Danny, a metal detector? Have you found anything wonderful with that yet? 3 nails. <laughs> Take it on the beach. There might be some great treasure right on the beach. Mary, what about you? 3D pen. 3D pen. Well, some great presents. Any of the grown-ups want to share what their favorite present was? <laughs> Anyone brave enough to share? All right, well, I'll tell you. Uh, what was yours, Tanner? A coffee cup. A coffee cup. Wonderful. <laughs> A really nice big one. Yes. yes. You can use it for soup. <laughs> what about you, Tanner? We saw Aladdin the musical. Oh, wonderful. That sounds good. What about you, Ryan? <laughs> All right, I'll share with you my favorite present. This is from my parents. They bought me a hand-carved wooden pipe. <laughs> they must think I'm ready for middle age. Um, but I was very pleased with that. Okay, so that's, that's the first question. The second question was, did any, you don't have to tell me specifics, but did anybody get any presents that were just kind of disappointing this Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> It's just like a pair of socks or something. Yeah. Would anyone be willing to raise their hands if that happened to them this Christmas? Something really quite disappointing. You can be honest. All right. How about me? All right. Um, you know, you, you kind of just didn't know what the person who gave it to you was thinking at the time. Um, but you still have to say thank you to great Aunt Enid for the itchy reindeer sweat, right? Um, you know, buying the perfect present for someone you love is really hard, right? It's really difficult. Um, I really love my wife, Sarah, and over the years, I've bought her one or two really great presents. Um, but I have to be honest that I bought her at least as many presents that went straight into a drawer and then later into the trash can. <laughs> because it's really hard to get it right, isn't it? It's really hard to nail it, even if you know the person really well and you love them a whole lot. Sometimes you just get the gift wrong. Um, and today I want to think about whether the wise men just got it wrong. 
when they gave presents to Jesus, right? So uh, they gave him three presents. Jesus got three Christmas presents. Um, and who can tell me what they were? Dante. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's right. That's what Jesus got for Christmas. Although, he didn't actually get them for Christmas, did he? He got them later at Epiphany, which we celebrate tomorrow on January 6th. So Jesus got gold and frankincense and myrrh from the wise men when he was born. They're the only birthday presents that we hear about in the Bible. Uh, and what do you think? Were they good presents? Yes? Say yes? Gold's pretty great, yeah. All right, let's think about them one at a time. First of all, gold. What is gold? What is it, Miriam? Money. Money, it's essentially money, yeah, very valuable metal. All right, so I have a picture of gold. Here it is. Oh, yeah. Um, right, gold, gold is a metal, and the wise men almost certainly didn't give Jesus this much gold. Um, because that would have broken the backs of their camels. Uh, gold is very, very heavy. Uh, but Jesus wouldn't have needed that much because gold is extremely valuable, right? It, it is now and it was then uh, because it's beautiful, because it never rusts, and because it's rare. So today mining companies will happily dig up a whole ton of earth if they can get a single ounce of gold. Um, and if you collected all the gold in the whole world together into one place, it would look a bit like this. That's all the gold there is in the whole world, 166,000 tons. Um, so that's gold, that's an easy one. Now what about frankincense? Does anybody know what frankincense is? Have you seen any? What is it, Miriam? Strong smelling thing, yes. All right, we've got a picture of frankincense. Here it is. It's the dried resin, the dried sap of a tree called the Boswellia tree. Um, and this is uh, the picture of the tree that gives us frankincense. Uh, and as Miriam says, the best thing about frankincense is its smell. You burn it, and it gives off a wonderfully fragrant smoke. Uh, and ancient people believed that the smoke had really good properties, that it drove away evil spirits, um, and that it was healthy, good for your health, and you breathed it in. I guess it was like going to the spa to breathe in frankincense smoke. Um, so the priests burned it every day in the temple in Jerusalem. And frankincense was extremely valuable in the Middle East throughout ancient history. In fact, during the time of Jesus, it was the most money-making trade in the world, was the trade of frankincense. Um, but I can't think what a baby would do with it, other than get two bits and bang them together. Um, so what about myrrh? What is myrrh? Anyone know what that is? What do you think, Michael? Yeah, that's right, it is used for that. Um, so we've got a picture of it. It's another, it's another resin that comes out of a tree called the myrrh tree. We've got a picture of that tree too. Another spiky desert tree. Um, and yeah, it would, they would have traveled with it in blocks like that of dried resin, but it could be mixed with oil to make an anointing oil. Yeah, as Mike can say. Um, it's a wonderful word. It's spelled M-Y-R-R-H, myrrh. Okay, you ought to know that. It's more of a grunt than a word. 
Um, but it's a really fun word to know, especially if you're playing Scrabble. Um, so um, myrrh, you, you, you mix it with uh, oil and make anointing oil, and it was also really good for making medicines. Myrrh had lots of medicinal properties. Uh, it fights germs, it helps with pain, and over the, over the years, people have claimed that myrrh can cure indigestion, ulcers, colds, coughs, asthma, lung congestion, arthritis pain, and cancer. So it's kind of a heal-all substance. And again, it was very, very valuable. Um, as I said, uh, myrrh was used to make the anointing oil in the temple, um, and then it was often used in the anointing of dead bodies in Israel. So myrrh is pretty great stuff if you're smelly, or sick, or dead. Um, but maybe it's not such a great present for a little baby. Now, I don't know if you've ever bought presents for a new baby, um, but it's usually good to think along the lines of diapers, onesies, blankets, dishwasher-safe baby bottles, that kind of thing, right? Things that a baby might need. So, did the wise men just get it wrong? Are these just bad presents? You know how sometimes people give you things that they like <laughs> instead of things that you're going to like? Uh, like, hey, mom, here's a game that we can play together and some candy we can share. <laughs> right? So uh, sometimes there are bad presents, but I really don't think that these were bad presents. I actually think they were amazing presents, and here's why. So first, these presents were real treasures, right? They were really valuable treasures. Um, these three things were quite possibly the three most valuable commodities on earth at the time. And of course, that doesn't matter to a baby, and it doesn't matter to God, who already has everything. But it mattered to the wise men. It mattered to their hearts. They knew that they were giving a sacrificial gift, a present that really cost them something, and one that they saw as a treasure. And so it told Jesus that he was valuable. And that makes the present valuable, right? Um, so that's one simple reason they were good presents. But I have an even better reason that they were good presents. Um, and that's that these three presents were also very symbolically meaningful, right? So we sung about that when we sung We Three Kings. And the song explains what the presents mean. Uh, they tell Jesus who he is, and they also tell his story. So um, in the song, the first king says, Born a king on Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again. Right? So it's gold for a king. And the second king says, Frankincense to offer have I, incense owns a deity nigh, because he burned it in the temple. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's frankincense for a god. And then the third king says, Myrrh is mine, its bitter perfume breathes a life of gathering glue, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in a stone-cold tomb. So it's myrrh for a death. Um, and the conclusion of the song is, Glorious now, behold him arise, king and God and sacrifice. Right? So I don't know whether the wise men knew what they were doing, uh, or whether we were just sort of interpreting that, um, but it really is amazing that they picked three gifts that symbolically told the story of exactly who Jesus was and exactly what he came to do. These presents really got him. Uh, and we know that the best presents are the ones that really get us, right? So that's two good reasons why these presents are amazing. Um, but I think there's one more, even particularly special reason why these are great presents. And this is where I want to focus. Um, it's that these presents started to make the prophecies about heaven come true. 
right? They started to make the prophecies about heaven come true. So when the wise men brought these treasures to Jesus, it was the very first glimpse of the last thing that happens in the story. I want to explain that, and I want you to see it for yourselves. So this is a chance to grab your Bible um, and turn to Isaiah chapter 60, which is page 619 in the Church Bible. Thank you. Isaiah 60, page 619. Alright, I hope you can see this because you'll get a lot more out of uh, this if you can see it for yourself. So we had this passage read for us earlier. We're going to start in at verse 1 of chapter 60. So Isaiah in chapter 60, verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Okay, notice there's two uses of that word risen in verse 1. Now we now know that the light that this verse is talking about is Jesus himself. Jesus is the light of the world. Because John's Gospel, chapter 1, says that Jesus was the true light, the light that gives light to everyone. So Isaiah 60 is a prophecy about Jesus, um, and it talks about this light rising. So again, in verse 3, if you look down to verse 3, it says, And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Okay, notice we've got the ideas of light and rising being repeated. And now we remember what Matthew said when the, about the wise men when they came to King Herod in Jerusalem. So the wise men said this, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And we know that they were not Israelites, they were men from the east, so they were men from the nations. So, whether they knew it or not, the wise men were fulfilling Isaiah 60, uh, verses 1 through 3. They were coming from the nations to see the star when it rose. Now, that's why we sometimes call the wise men kings. You've probably heard before that they weren't actually kings, um, but they were the chief counselors of kings. That's what uh, the word magi means. So, if you've seen Disney's Aladdin, the kings were a bit like Jafar, okay? His Jafar. Uh, that's what we should have in our mind as these, as these wise men. They're not kings themselves, they're the uh, counselors of kings. So Jafar is the grand vizier, okay, the chief counselor. So the wise men were like Jafar, just not as evil. Um, so they're not kings, but they're coming from kings' palaces, and they're the messengers of kings. So they're fulfilling this role in Isaiah 60 that's called kings, right? So we can call them that. Now keep reading and look at the end of verse 5, the last line on the page there. It says, the wealth of the nations shall come to you. Flip the page, look at verse 6 and three lines down. Look at this. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. And we know that when the wise men came to Jesus, first of all, they fell down and worshipped him, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, and then they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which we've already seen was the wealth of nations. So I think it's absolutely unmistakable that the wise men fulfilled the prophecy here in Isaiah 60. You can't miss this. If this happened, 
than it was predicted 600 years before. So God knows the future, and Jesus is the world's true light. Nobody could need more proof than this. But wait, we're not finished. Stay with me in Isaiah 60. The prophecy isn't finished yet. So look at verse 11. Uh, this is what it goes on to say. Your gates shall be opened continually. Day and night they shall not be shut, that people may bring you the wealth of nations. Hear that phrase again. With their kings led in procession. And now glance ahead to verse 19. The whole prophecy is good, but I'm just going to summarize it. Verse 19. The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. What is that talking about? Keep that in your head. Flip forward in your Bibles. Page 1041. We're almost to the very end of the book. 1041. And we're looking at Revelation chapter 21. Page 1041. So this is a scene from heaven, from the heavenly city, our future home. And uh, verse 22 says this. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter into it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. All right? So do you notice how strong the similarity is between what Isaiah was talking about in chapter 60 and what John saw in his vision of heaven in Revelation? How many details of that description match Isaiah 60 is talking about heaven. It's talking about the new Jerusalem. And so when the wise men came to visit the baby Jesus, this prophecy about heaven started to come true. That's why this passage is wonderful. Because by the light of Jesus they walked. The kings of the earth brought their glory to him, and they were received at his bedside. No gates got in their way. There's this wonderful verse in Isaiah 60 where God says that the gifts of the nations will be accepted. They will find acceptance on my altar. And that's what the wise men found at the bedside of the Son of God. So this means that the final chapter of the story has already begun. And by that we know that God is going to see it finished. So what use had baby Jesus for gold and frankincense and myrrh? Well, on the one hand, absolutely none at all. Um, on the other, these were the best birthday presents ever. Because they told him who he was, and they started to bring the prophecies about heaven true. So we've got this one hand and the other hand, and I think, when you think about it, that it's actually the same for all of our gifts, when we bring any of our gifts to Jesus. Um, there's nothing he really needs or wants in one sense, and nothing we bring him is any good in one sense. So it's about as good as frankincense to a baby on the one hand. But then on the other hand, what we bring him is precious to him because he wants to fold us into his story. And he wants our hearts which come along with the gift. 
So really one of the best lessons the wise men teach us is that Jesus accepts gifts. He accepts our gifts, the gifts of all nations, not just his own people, but of all people. This story and this prophecy say that every nation has a gift, has a treasure, like the myrrh of Babylon or the frankincense of Amman or the gold of Ophir. And then in Isaiah 60, we also hear about the cedars of Lebanon and the rams of Nebaioth and the ships of Tarshish, each nation having its own specific gift. And today we could add more gifts. We could add the diamonds of South Africa and the oil of Saudi Arabia and the coffee of Ethiopia and the wine of France and the tobacco of Cuba. Every nation has a precious treasure. And God has given the nations these wonderful treasures. And now he wants the nations to offer these treasures back to him. And of course, we have much more than just material treasures. Every nation has its unique cultural treasures too. Customs and manners and parties, art and drama and dance, stories and inventions. They belong to the nations of the world and they belong to God. Now we see in Revelation that the gates of heaven are permanently left open for what reason? For the reason that these treasures can be brought in. That's why heaven's gates are left open. So do you see how this prophecy from Revelation dignifies the nations? It redeems them, it preserves them, it celebrates them, and it eradicates national arrogance and racism. Because God says that the new Jerusalem will not be complete without the treasures of every nation. So the wise men from the east were accepted at the bedside of the Son of God. Their gifts were received and they were folded into his story. Their story is told in the Bible, in Isaiah and in Matthew and in Revelation. And they've been given this great place of honor because they were the first to bring Jesus their gifts, but they won't be the last. God's waiting for every nation to follow suit. So now today, your treasure is welcome. Your treasure is needed. Will you bring it to Jesus? If we know we have something we could bring to Jesus, I think there are usually two reasons why we might hold back from bringing it. I think these are pretty common reasons. Um, either we think that the gift we have isn't good enough for him, um, or we think that other people aren't going to like our gift. Maybe they'll scorn us for it. So in other words, we're a bit ashamed of the gift we have for one reason or another. So I want to just briefly speak to those two problems as I close. Um, there was a really interesting study done quite recently with school children where researchers went into a class of kindergartners and they said, raise your hand if you're an artist. And the whole class raised their hand, right? Then they went next door to first grade and they said, raise your hand if you're an artist. And still most of the hands went up. And they proceeded up the grades in the school and each grade had fewer and fewer artists than the grade before until they got to the senior high school class and said, raise your hand if you're an artist. And it was like two people. And that's sad, isn't it? It shows that one thing we all learn in school is that our gifts aren't good enough. That we don't qualify for the title of artist or musician or creative person. But the truth we see here is that it's really not the way God sees us. Being made in his image means 
being an artist. And we know if we're parents that when our children are young, it's impossible for them to paint a bad picture. And so it is with God. If we create for him with our whole hearts, it's impossible for the outcome to disappoint him. So if we think our gift isn't good enough, then in God's view, we're just wrong. So I really want to thank you, Bev, for bringing your gift of drama to our gospel reading this morning. You might have wished that it was better, but to your father, it was perfect. Now, for the other reason we hold back, that we think other people won't like our gift. So this happened to me when I was in college in Cambridge. I was asked to play the piano in our church one time. And there were about 400 students uh, at the church, and I knew that about 100 of them were better at the piano than I was. <laughs> um, so I said no, because I was embarrassed. Um, but then later I realized that saying no was actually a kind of pride. Because I realized in my own heart, what I was saying was, uh, well, the question that Jesus asked me was, will you give me a gift uh, that isn't better than everybody else's? Or will you only give me a gift if you know that it's better than everybody else's? Um, and I just realized how much pride was in that. Um, so deciding that I would give Jesus what I had and not care if other people thought it was any good was one of the most liberating decisions of my life. And it's one of the reasons I'm able to stand up here and do this job. <laughs> um, so uh, to the person bringing the gift, I say, don't worry what people think. And to the rest I say, let's be careful not to despise one another's gifts. In particular, as we seek to be a multi-ethnic community here at Incarnation, are we accepting all the treasures of the nations we have gathered here? Are we allowing all of them to be brought forward to Jesus and to be celebrated? Or are we only paying attention to some of them, just the ones preferred by the majority? Because if that's the case, then it's not going to please God. Because God welcomes all the gifts. And we've got to practice celebrating the treasures of the nations. Or heaven is going to come as an enormous shock. The time we have here on earth is time to practice the habits of heaven. And this is an important one. So when we look at the wise men, they make us want to give Jesus the very best that we have. But they also give us confidence that whatever we have to offer Jesus will be accepted. So let's think creatively about what we can bring him this year. Amen. Amen.